Hello and welcome back to the Around Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is sports media's number one, number one, Joel Linton correspondent. It's Mr. Mike Breslin. Hello, everyone. Add to his left on the computer screen, at least, although pretty soon we'll still be on our computer screens. It's um, the Dorridge didgeridoo, Mr. David Harris. I will. Thanks for that. Didgeridoo. God. Is Didgeridoo... Oh, no, sorry to take the podcast completely on a tangent straight away. This is We're going to venture into some ground that we probably don't want to venture in. Um, Didgeridoo. No. Is that a Rolf Harris thing? It's sort of... Well, I mean, it's Australian, but yeah, unfortunately, Rolf Harris did use a Didgeridoo. So... <sighs> Um, I mean, follow-up question, Dave, again from inandaroundmedia.com, Will Hunt here, is um, <laughs> after the allegations came out, was it awkward at your family reunions? Uh, well, yeah, no one speaks to him now. Um, it's just slightly dodgy Uncle Rolf. Um, slightly Uncle Rolf. dodgy. dodgy. Yeah, dodgy. <laughs> if that's slightly, I don't want to know what fully dodgy is, Will. He is very dodgy. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask a question about the football, I suppose, but I'm just stalling so we don't have to talk about the FA Cup final. <laughs> um, what other questions could I ask? Uh, what's your favourite type of soup? I mean, really clutching at straws now. Minestrone, easy. That was easy. That was rapid. Uh, like a chicken noodle soup. Oh, yeah. If you could pick five soups to shoot... It's <laughs> gone. <laughs> <laughs> I listen, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't listen to last week's podcast, I wasn't there. And they opened the podcast by getting straight into football. And I've never been more disappointed. Cause as no, no, knows, we didn't. No, we didn't. We spoke about trees. If you could be what a tree, tree, what tree would, would we... you be? Did you really? Did yeah, you skip you through my, the intro? Oh, yeah. no. Wow. Well, no, I got as far as, I got as far now as Will's having Wi-Fi problems. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm not in this episode, so I, I dipped out. <laughs> you knew you weren't in there, Will. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But you gotta, you gotta listen in just to see what they kind of said about you. So I was like, oh, I was going to say you're on a date with a 40 year old woman called Tracy, but I thought that was too far. But I've just said that this time instead. No, she was. It was actually Denise. Anyway, um. Well, I can confirm my mom was in, so it wasn't that Denise, at least. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, um, football, <laughs> bloody hell. <laughs> uh, Christ. So, ladies and gentlemen, it was lovely at the weekend to um to watch fans being back inside the ground, wasn't it, at the FA Cup final? Um, Mike, how did you feel that having fans back in the ground actually impacted the, your enjoyment of the game? Yeah, to be fair to me, it do, I think it does make a huge difference, especially for a game like the FA Cup final. Um, you know, Sol Campbell's obviously been outspoken about about it in the past, but it's obviously a big occasion. Everyone, you know the reference. You know the reference. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a great occasion. Obviously, we had some in for the uh, for the semi-finals and then also the Carabao Cup. But to get up to twenty thousand, and I mean the way they do it, it actually looks quite full. Um, yeah. Both sets of fans making a good amount of noise. And when a goal when a goal like that goes in, you really want fans to be there, don't you? Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Especially for a team like Leicester to win the FA Cup, it was great for however many six, seven thousand Leicester fans to be there, celebrate with their team. 
celebrate as well with their mates or, or family or whatever uh, in the stands as well. I think that's part of it too. Yeah. Is that people have been missing just catching up with their mates uh, that they'd normally see at the football, but they haven't seen for, for a year or so. So, yeah, absolutely wicked to see the fans back in the ground. And, yeah, as far as my enjoyment, which was the actual question, it does help my enjoyment a lot. Yeah. You don't have to listen to BT or Sky play in some fan sound about 20 seconds after the keeper saved it or something. For I think for, for obvious reasons, I didn't enjoy the game and I didn't enjoy particularly a lot of it afterwards. But just watching it in the days since, watching the, the celebrations, because the, you go and watch, like, um, Liverpool celebration to win in the title and Bayern Munich celebration celebrations of winning the the Champions League for example these two massive trophies this without having the fans in there they were quite sanitized um and they they felt like they felt like it felt like Bayern although they were lifting this cup and it was a massive achievement it felt like they were winning the Audi trophy or something <laughs> yeah it just it, it kind of took away from it so to see the the Leicester celebrations and to see the way um they interacted with the fans was actually was quite a special thing irrespective of the result um mr harris uh mm-hmm. premier league and fa cup wins for leicester now um yeah. how special has their story been really well it's it's pretty crazy with the the owners taking them over i believe in the championship it wasn't even that long ago since they're in league one in the grand scheme of things um I remember the owners saying when they took them on that they could win the league in five years. I remember laughing at them, and I think they did it in four. So, proved everyone wrong. And what's impressive is, I yeah. mean... Oh, they said they would also be in... They, they said they'd be a consistent Champions League club after four years as well, and that hasn't fucking happened. And fair enough. <laughs> winning the league, given who Leicester City are, is still impressive. No, I, I, agreed, but every, everyone acts as if they're great master plans. No, I, I mean, other than the season where they tried to defend the title, they've been they've been pretty good since, and they have managed to establish themselves as a European team, like top six, and I think I think that's really impressive, given. I think they rely mostly on their scouting and recruitment more than more than perhaps some of the others who can just go out and buy a big name. So I think the whole I like the whole project of Leicester. They it just works really well and they always have good players and they try and play good football. So I'm a big fan really. Agreed. Agreed. Um Mike, in a season that's been dominated by owners being little shits, what did you think of the um the seats at the end with a and I'm not even gonna try and pronounce his name <laughs> Um I'm really sorry about that, but I just will. Um but it was even me again who who hated the results on purely tribal level, um I, f- I found that really like heartening. So how did you feel about it? It is nice to see that there are owners out there and still in the Prem that actually genuinely are buzzing when their team wins things and clearly I mean you I think it was Schmeichel wasn't it that went over to him he clearly has a, a really good relationship with all the players the fans also seem to love him and to be fair you can see why um, obviously they've brought a lot of success to the club but also they do seem to have the interests of the the club and the, the fans in their best interests as well um, and yeah, to see the way he—it's just just to see how excited he was to lift the FA Cup. It was class, wasn't it? It really was. It was great. 
massive moment for him and I assume he, I assume his family to be honest after yeah. the, the crash. Um so I think for Le- I think for Leicester themselves in terms of like being like the culmination of something. Um whether or not they get Champions League this year is still up in the air. So the question I want to ask you, Dave, is even if they don't make the Champions League, does winning the FA Cup final constitute a successful season considering where they were? Or do they have to realistically make the Champions League now for it to be a successful Um, I'd say for a team like Leicester, winning a major trophy is obviously a huge success. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's that's a successful season. However, the circumstances of them not making the top four, um, as much as face value if they'd been sort of just in or just outside the whole season you'd be like oh fair enough they're not finished top four they've won the fa cup they will have yet again absolutely bottled it having looking like they've had top four sewn up for most of the season so i wouldn't say it wouldn't be a success of a season but it certainly wouldn't feel as much as a success as it should be if they now don't make top four i think overall good season but there's a bit of alarm bells for me if two seasons in a row they're throwing away basically a Champions League spot like that isn't something you want to see especially when they've been in very commanding positions both times so I still with a major trophy of course I think that constitutes a good season but if they don't make top four that definitely takes some shine off it I think as much as I have a soft spot for Leicester I'd like to see him throw away the top four (laughs) I'm sure Um, you would (laughs) um so two players I want to pick out in the final and um first one I want to ask you about Mike is Kasper Schmeichel like we've you hear about the um when you when we talk about the heroes of Leicester it's Jamie everyone talks about Jamie Vardy everyone used to talk about Riyad Mahrez the best player in the world and I think um, that's just you Will and um and Golo Kante um but they're all the way through Peter Schmeichel, not Peter Schmeichel. I've done what I've, I've done. What I was about. To say. I, ah, it annoys me so much because I want to. You want to talk about. You want to talk about Casper Schmeichel being a brilliant goalkeeper in his own right. But every time you go to say it, you've spent like literally my whole entire life. Every time of the word Schmeichel's come out of my mouth, going, "Well, Peter Schmeichel, Peter Schmeichel, Peter Schmeichel." So, but a word on Casper Schmeichel. Yeah, I mean. You're rightly, as you rightly say, he's been in in the goal for Leicester for, for years now, and but I would pretty much say he pretty much never lets you down. He's so solid in there. He saves the ones you expect him to make, and I mean, in this final, we saw him make another couple of fantastic saves. I think the one from uh, was it Mount? I'm yeah, I really did. I mean, I I I watched it after uh, again. And I still can't believe that he saved, he saved that. The um, the thing is as well, he makes these saves semi-often. His his wrists are so strong. They they talk about strong hands. I don't know if he gets it from his dad or what, but I mean, if he gets something there, it's probably not going in the goal because he's going to get enough behind it to stop it. And that's exactly what he did, obviously, at the weekend, which saved his team extra time, protect penalties. Or even a Chelsea onslaught towards the end. Um, I mean, we can obviously get onto the the VAR disallowed goal, but I mean that essentially saved saved 
his team a goal there. It was outrageous that save. He was he made another really nice, really really nice save when he touched uh, Chilwell's header onto the post. Yeah, that was an excellent <laughs> save as well. And Chilwell who came on and was like, "Fuck Leicester." It was very funny. <laughs> he just come on. He's just like, "Well, I don't care what happens. That ball is going to the back of that net." Um, Dave. Second player I wanted to point out from the Leicester side was Tielemans because you what you love Tielemans so you can have. Do you want to talk yeah. us through? He's probably the best player on the day, wasn't he? Yeah, I'd say he's best player. He's he's a player that I think people sometimes forget how young he is. He's like 23 in the way he plays. I think he plays with a lot of maturity. Sort of expect him to be a bit older, but yeah, his goal was fantastic. Uh, like Mike said, I was so glad fans were there to actually celebrate it in the ground rather than the TV screens. What an absolute screamer in a final. But yeah, he's he's really got it all for me, I think. Oh, I mean, it helps with Ndidi behind him, but like his passing and stuff is so, so good. Um, yeah, I, I just like watching him. As much as you know, I think he's a quality player. And yeah, I'd say he's man of the match. He's, he's one of those that in previous seasons, he was the pass before the pass. If you know yeah. what I mean, yeah. and this yeah. season I think he's he's become more of the he makes the pass or he will score the goal. He's taking a bit more responsibility in that sense. I think this year. The, the problem for me with Tielemans has always been the same thing, which is you watch him for five games and for and he's really good in one of those games, okay in two of those games, and he'll drop a stinker in the other two. And it's recency bias. It's always been if if. How you feel about him as a player depends on which one of those you've watched recently. True, whereas, yeah. whereas this season, I think you get that excellent game, and then I think you get three good games, and then you get maybe another game where he's just meh. But I think he's really upped his game. But it's like you say, Dave, anyone who's playing central midfield that's got Wilfred and Didi next to him has their job. Yeah, made. huge yeah. advantage. Yeah, it, it's it's exactly it's exactly the way I feel about Ingolo Kante and Declan Rice is these players that if you're partnering them in midfield, your job is way easier because they're just gonna they're so intelligent and they're so good at what they do that they just mm-hmm. they deal with things. It's worth remembering that Tielemans is only 24 still, so there is still he just turned 24 of, this month. For yeah, there is still month. a bit bit he's of potential been, development ahead, but he's obviously been around for a while. You know, he's already. He's already got like 350 appearances or something. Because by the age yeah. of 20, he played like 180 games for Anderlecht or something mad. He's been, I think, he's got a lot of games for someone his age. Eventually, sure. we're gonna we're gonna start having to do these like talking about players' ages by games played and minutes played because you see it all the time. Like we saw it with Wayne Rooney, didn't we? That I mean, yeah, Wayne Rooney's not exactly the most af- athletic of body types, and we know he doesn't particularly look after himself great. <laughs> That's that said, if you play, if you have that minute level at such a young age, your body will break down eventually. Yeah, that is a good point. Yeah, that is a good point. Um, onto the game itself. Uh, God, it was it wasn't great. Um. Uh, I've been going around all day saying I think the best team won. Um, I've never seen a cup final that deserved to be a draw more, I think. I thought it was... I thought Leicester defended well, but the the clearest cut chance went to Chelsea, but it fell to Azpilicueta. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just a bit of a bizarre game. Anything particular that impressed you or worried you that you want to call out, lads? I haven't got too much to add, really, apart from... I mean, we were talking earlier about them bottling potentially the top four. I think it is good for Rodgers to get a trophy in English football yeah. um, just to get over the line. 
there. Um, And it's worth, I guess, looking forward to tomorrow night or tonight as this releases Chelsea Leicester in the league, which is a big, big game for the top four. So, and obviously a little uh, rematch from from the weekend. So that'll be interesting. As far as the game goes, yeah, not a great FA Cup final really, but it often happens in these sort of games. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was shit. Um, (laughs) Thoughts on play? Thoughts on starting Kepa? Cup Not final. for me, this. No, Cup I don't final. like this. You see... Cup final keeper for continuity, no? No, no I, I, don't, I don't like it myself. I don't, I like don't it. think he's... You see, usually I'm a fan of a man... I mean, the that would usually be my stance, but Kappa has already proven to be such a bad, unreliable goalkeeper that it's quite a lot different to... Like... I remember him not looking massively convincing against Barnsley. Not looking uh, massively convincing. Yeah, he made a big mistake. He's actively playing for the other team. Yeah. <laughs> no, what I mean, what I mean That's is such a statement usually, of the year. No, what I mean is usually I'm I'm a fan of a manager rewarding a cup keeper if if they manage to get that far, but Kepper is honestly an absolute car crash of a keeper. Even if you've been playing him up to this point, there's no way you put him in goal for a final. Not when Mendy's just so much better as well. Do you want to know, Telemann said that before the game, someone texted him saying, stick it top bins. He said, is that, someone, is someone that text, it? I mean, text, if he sticks, that, if he sticks so, that in the same spot, Mendy's not Mendy's saving, not saving someone, it either. Hold on, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Mendy's probably not saving it, but at least he would. At least he's got better technique than Kepper and gives himself a chance. You watch Kepper there; he doesn't start to move his feet, so he's jumping from a static spot. Yeah, static. that was true. He didn't move his feet. That was his there's all this stuff. Like, <laughs> look, there's a reason that Kepper has conceded more goals from outside the box than any other keeper. I think in like that period of time by like double. There's a reason he's. He's not a particularly technically sound keeper. And I just, I don't know what, I don't know where this idea came from that you have cup keepers and you reward them by playing in the final. You're the second choice keeper for a reason and your football club, your football club's trying to win a trophy. It's waffle. Yeah, I've never, I, I've never liked it myself. And for pers- exactly the same reasons. You, you're not the number one for a reason. So get back on the bench. My thing is, my thing, like, Mendy's going to start against Leicester in the in the league, right? And if Chelsea win against Leicester in the league, they qualify for a trophy. No, they they don't qualify for a trophy. They qualify for the top four. Whereas if he'd started at the weekend and they don't concede that goal because everyone, because maybe just the psychological impact of it not being Kepper in goal, think makes Tielemans think twice about shooting. There's that level as well. And if and if he doesn't do that and they don't lose, you've won a trophy. Please. The other thing is, keep it's it's not taking that much out of Mendy to play an an extra game, is it? Let's be honest. That's true. For a keeper, he's barely had to do anything all season. <laughs> exactly. He just stands there and has to look at the three asses in front of him. <laughs> he's got the easiest job of the world. Yeah, it's it's not for me these cup keepers, to be honest. No, it's not for me, and it. I mean. I will, I'll stop ranting now, but I will say one last thing. If you're gonna st- if you're gonna waffle on about cup keepers for continuity, and your top scorer in the competition, Tammy Abraham, doesn't even make the fucking bench. Yeah, you're that's... An, you're an absolute. You're not Tommy Tactics. You're Tommy Twatics. That's <laughs> what you are. That made no sense, but I'm very upset about. 
Thomas Tuchel, Wazak of the Week. There you go. <laughs> Uh, second is VAR because what the hell were they doing in this game, Mike? Let me tell you. Uh, we we know I hate VAR, so I'm not going to get involved. Dave, tell him it was the right decision. I think it was offside, but ah! but they don't look at the full they don't look at the full like situation. They don't yeah, look so at we the have full a, picture. We had a question in from. Uh, one of our listeners and good friends, uh, Waza, which said, why... Steady on the good friends. Okay. I knew where we'd just, <laughs> just a friend. <laughs> Although we did have a lovely beer on Sunday night, but there you go. Uh, why do VAR insist on holding a forensic investigation into the crossover of a defender slash attacker when there's no analysis taken to judge the timing of the ball leaving the passer's foot? This is, what? yeah, I was going to touch on this, but I knew Waza would ask a question. They used to really care about even even when it was a man just on the line, just with his flag, he used to care about how much when the ball is played. Now, as long as the ball is played, or if the ball's even looking like it's left his foot slightly, they don't actually look into the exact moment when the ball left his foot. So like Waza says, they get God knows how many camera angles on the guy being offside where the ball is received. But where the ball's played, they don't really look twice at it. And I think maybe the, they're making the decision correct every single time. But with, with these things, that's what, I, that's what I mean. With these things, if they find so much detail in the ball being received, surely they have to put as much detail in the ball being played. Because if they've re- I'm sure some of these offsides they'd actually be onside at the exact moment the ball is played, but they don't break it down enough to see when the ball was exactly played. It's just, oh, the ball's played, and when he's received it, he's, he looks to be offside by a small fingernail. What do they do? Just pick a frame or something or that they think it is, and then they, that's what the one they decide to use? No, what or... they do is they, they, they're at Stockley Park, Mike, and they've got the guy sat down in the chair controlling it, and uh, his mate's behind him. It's usually Anthony Taylor. He's just finished polishing his head. <laughs> and he, just put, he, puts his, he, puts his, he puts his hands in front of his face, and then he goes, he goes, oh, you just just press play and then press stop in a minute when you can't see, and we'll go from there. That's how they do it. Right, yeah. Well, that is no, good to know. No, for, the, for the avoidance of that, it was offside. Uh, yes, I think it was, but I still hate it. Yeah, I mean, this is what this is what they voted for. Well, my 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 bigger gripe, and it's not even really a gripe, but if we're if we're wandering around applying letter of the law rules, um, here's one for you: it is an offence if a player after the ball has touched there or a teammate's hand, arm, even if accidental, immediately scores an opponent's goal. So Tielemans' goal shouldn't have stood, but it's a brave man that rules it out. But the fans in there, but they are. Imagine. So that's two. That's two cup finals. Uh, the Chelsea were uh, were robbed of this weekend. <laughs> yeah, so they are. They are. We don't even touch on what they did over in the women's game. Good lord. Um. Did they win? The, no, uh, they lost four. Oh, they lost four. <laughs> what? Yeah. It, it's there is so Barcelona are really good, but Mike, go and have a look at the second penalty that gets given in that game, and go and have a look at the first goal they concede, which is the most ludicrous own goal you'll ever see. Chelsea are really good. Um, uh, what's the manager's name? Emma Hayes. Emma, Emma Hayes. Hayes. Cracking yeah. manager. 
Well, she's very good, and they've got a proper mentality and like men's team. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely true. You know, Chelsea have lost eight of the last eleven cup finals. Wow. If you the community Shield, and that's. I didn't know that. Well, the Community Shield doesn't count. Time for a new captain, I think. Should we should we go to another team that has no mentality? Ah, fuck it. Let's stop the podcast now. Okay, cool. I'm sick. I don't want to talk about that. Was you welcome to joining us here at the end of our podcast? No, let's talk about Everton. Well, you're not. Yeah, you're not going to want to talk about Everton, are you? Good grief. Uh, no, actually, I'm quite happy to talk about Everton because I was right about Everton when they won the league title in October, and everyone's like, "Oh, they're making the top four. To be fair, I'm... wasn't it like August? Well, it was far oh. earlier than October. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was like four games into the season. James Rodriguez is fit for the only four games he's fit for all season. They conveniently win him. Go on, someone tell me what's gone wrong with Everton. They're just shite, basically. Squad's just not actually very good. They're so weird because you think about Everton and what Everton should aspire to be and what Everton think they are, and you look at Leicester, and that's what Everton think they are. But in reality, they're just this team with an ageing squad who aren't very good. How do they continually have an ageing squad? It's like the worst recruitment you've ever seen. Yeah. There's teams always got players about to go over the hill and somehow they replace them with the same sort of player. <laughs> but, I, no, but I'm convinced it's something in the water in Scouseland because I, like, I, looked at, I looked at Seamus Coleman the other day and he was 21. Now look at him, he's like 45. Yeah, and I mean, he's playing right wing at the weekend. It's no wonder they lost to Sheffield United. They've got they 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 had a summer where their transfer policy seemed to be let's buy the players that Barcelona don't want, which is interesting when you consider the fact that Barcelona have not been buying Barcelona caliber players for years. Yeah. <laughs> what is their transfer strategy? I think they just buy whoever's available. Because I think they literally they try have... and sign a player who's got some sort of name. Because right, you got James Rodriguez on a free. That make that make look. You want a bit of star quality. That makes sense to me. You're buying Decore. Uh, he's 28. Like that, and he's just got relegated. And he's a good player, but you need to plug him into a bet like a a squad that's already set up. And then you're buying Allen, who again, good player, but. He's also like in his thirties, and he's never been the most, the fittest of players in terms of like injuries and stuff. Or is that to Corey? I might be getting confused because they're the same player, which is weird. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they keep buying twenty-nine, thirty-year-olds, and then wonder why they have to refresh the squad every two, three years. It's what the only place they've got a, a bit of youth is at the back, but you still got yeah. Coleman kicking about. Ludinia. Yeah, Dinia's what. He's 27, so he's older than yeah, I thought I was he was. Yeah, say, he's not that young. Actually, Michael You're Keane's not... 28, so actually, let's just scrap that. What's the but... last What's the last Everton signing that's a success? Did they buy Calvert-Lewin? <laughs> no. no. Yeah, they did. Sheffield I think United. they did, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't count, though. Um, I don't know. I mean, Dina is was a good purchase i'd it say it might be too early to call but i actually think ben godfrey looks quite good and he's played in a number of positions this season yeah played it all along the back and he looks pretty decent in all of the positions yeah ben godfrey's the the type of player that a sensible club buys though maybe not for the money but it's the type of player that a sensible club buys yeah they're talking about buying uh 
go in for Max Aaron's this year, which yeah, would be I'm interesting not, to see. Not sure about Max Aaron's. No, but at least with Leicester, when they buy when Leicester buy a player, you go, yeah. Even if you've never heard of him, you're like, yeah, fair enough. You just trust them to be right. Whereas when when Everton buy a player, you're like, well, what's going to be wrong with this guy? It's just yeah. They they just feel like they've got they've got Mashiri, they're moving into a new ground. This should be a really exciting time for their project. But they're just rudderless. You don't know what they're doing. Sorry, I've just found out that Yeri Mina came in for twenty seven million. Yeah, because he's from Barcelona. What are we doing Honestly, here, guys? Everton's transfer policy reminds me of when you play football manager and you see a guy who's better. But then you see a guy who's transfer listed from a massive club and you go, oh, it would be cool to send a guy from Man United or, or Barcelona. It would be Absolutely, cool to get yeah. him in. That's literally what they're like. No, but it's they're, a... like, they're like, oh, he looks good. But, oh, Andre Gomez, Barcelona. Oh, that. This... Oh, sure. He was at Barcelona. That'll sell some good. shirts. I suppose yeah. this is, it's, kind of, it's really weird because, like, Leicester, uh, sorry to keep going back to Leicester. So bought Maguire, sold him. Bought no, but Kante, Leicester is who you sold. have to compare Everton to because yeah. Leicester are doing yeah, a much better job of what Everton should have done. Sold them, sold on Chilwell. Every single Mares. And yeah, and every single time they've replaced them with with quality. Like they got rid of Mares, they brought in Madison. They got rid of they got rid of Maguire. It was Suyuncu and Fafana. You got rid of Kante. It was Indeedy. And there were a few misses along the way. And Congratulations, be, isn't there? congratulations to Gezal for winning the uh, league title with Besiktas. I really thought you might be the next Riyad Mahrez. Um But that's just because you're also Algerian. And um, when it comes to football players, I see a flag and I'm like, oh, he could be like that player. Um, but it's just, you just know with Leicester. You just you just watch them and you're just like, they buy, they buy, they sell their players, they move them on, they replace them well. With, Leicester, with Everton, and like, how is a club like Everton supposed to replace Romelu Lukaku but how is a club like I mean, a club like a club like Everton should be replacing Idrissa Garnagay they bought Gabamin who was a bit unlucky with injury but that didn't work yeah. out obviously he's still there bless him he's, I saw a stat a few months ago about the minutes he's played it's it's pretty wild but you look at them they any. they've not even replaced Tim Howard no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we still we still don't really know who the number one is. Like, he might be the number one for England. So fuck like knows what's going to happen there. They've got Jordan Pickford, but like, who what? cares really? Who cares? Like, they've I been mean, for a lot of goalkeepers actually in, since pretty well. Yeah, since Tim Howard left. But you look at in an in an Everton squad that challenges for the top top six pretty regularly and makes it. How many of their current squad actually is in that team? Just quickly, on the goalkeepers, where were they for when Martinez was going to Villa? Where was half the league when Martinez was going to Villa? Yeah, I mean, that yeah. obviously looks bad for everyone, but everyone. Everton would have been a good spot for him to go, I'd have thought. Mm. Uh, but yeah, as far as, what were you saying, Champions League? Yeah, yeah. Who, which, are the, which are the three? Are there any players in that team that are playing in a team that, should, that makes the top four? I mean, Calvert-Lewin's the only one, probably, I'd say. Looking at their Luka eleven Dean, that played, perhaps. maybe Dean. If yeah, if the team's not got a decent left back, Dean can slot in there. But yeah. he's just solid, isn't he? So yeah, he's you know, just what fine. You, you know what you're going to get out of him. Yeah, yeah. But the rest of them, I mean, forget it. 
I mean, even if you look... We at... had them 10th, by the way, in the 1s 20s. They're actually outperforming what we thought they'd do. So that's how low we are on Everton here. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to go on the record now. There's, there's a few clubs in the league I have absolutely zero respect for. Everton are one of them. <laughs> it's got... a shame. It's a shame because they're a big mo- they're a big club and they spend they do spend money but they just don't spend it well as we've just outlined. <laughs> Marcel Brands is getting a contract extension when he should be getting a P45. He should be long gone. There you are. Like there's so many clubs in this league that if they were well run would be a danger and and they are one of them. Can we also yeah. revisit some of the players Everton have signed like people like Schneiderlin. They've had so many expensive signings go horribly wrong. He left for 2 mil. They they put players on huge wages as well. Schneiderlin was on like 100k a week or something mental. Stecklenburg was kicking around for ages. Oh, he left yeah. on a free. He was on big money, I think. Uh it's great fun at Goodison. Great fun. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. What what positions do you think they'll buy this summer? Obviously, I, I think they they are well, interested in Max Aaron's apparently. I don't know. Just go down your local nursing home and see if anyone can play centre mid. <laughs> that seems to be the strategy over there. Now nah, they'll buy uh, Fred and McTominay off United. Oh, just someone! McTominay someone. is such an Everton sign. No, I'll be no, honest. No. He is like if David Moyes is still there. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> worried McTominay West Ham trying to replace Rice with McTominay. He's on his way, mate. McTominay let me tell is, you. So Darren Gibson. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my God, that was another Everton player whilst you're at it. Christ. Yeah. Oh, Sorry, Everton fans. There's not much to look forward to. Apart from you do have Ancelotti. That's about who's, it. Who's, who's quietly underperforming this season. Yes. Yep. Um, let's move on from underperforming to underperforming. <laughs> from, from club without a straight... A, a clear strategic vision to club without a clear strategic vision. Um, Mike, what's gone wrong with this failed Arsenal bid by the Spotify bloke? I think it's pretty pretty simple is that <laughs> the Cronkies don't want to sell. So so you're going to have to, if, if he wants it, if he really wants it, he's going to have to overpay, I think. Uh, and I I mean, if you're a smart businessman, you probably aren't going to do that right now. But Dave, mm. do you think it's a bit weird that he announced his intention to buy this thing without even sounding out that the Cronkies were willing to sell? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's really strange. It's like he's trying to get like publicity for himself and make people like him almost. And then, yeah, that's exactly he, what he's doing because he, he runs build, Spotify and everyone hates him. He builds the, he builds the fact that he seems a good guy, and then Arsenal fans put pressure on the club. Uh, obviously, they hate the Cronkies anyway, but. Yeah, it's like if I get good publicity, maybe even the fans will put pressure on on the current owners for me. But yeah, it's really weird that he'd basically be like, "I'm gonna buy this huge asset for loads of money," uh, without actually asking the guys that own it if they even want to leave. But he doesn't have right. So I was reading an article about this. He doesn't, he doesn't have actually the, the doesn't money. Actually, have the money required. Nope. So what this essentially what's happened here is, it's like is it it's like if I was to walk into the Ferrari garage in Dorridge. And say, yeah, I'm having that one, the four five, the four five eight, and they go, oh, how much are you gonna pay? Hundred quid, but I'm having it. <laughs> but that's not how this works. That's not how but business I want it, works. So... Like he's just wandered in, like, oh, you know, I've been a bollock, so I'm just gonna use Arsenal as a bit of PR. But um, <laughs> yeah, great. Um, what did you, 
what did you think of it, the reported idea anyway, Mike, about him having a seat on the board for fans? Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, that's what everyone wants to hear at the moment. So obviously that's what he's going to say, isn't it? No, yeah. I, I don't have much time for this bloke either, but as you may be able to tell. But yeah, I mean, if that's what he's, he's going to do, then that seat on the board will probably be irrelevant because he probably won't listen to him anyway. But it's a nice idea, isn't it? Spurs and Chelsea, I believe, are actually doing that, aren't they? Yes, to Chelsea have announced they definitely are, and Spurs. Chelsea are. announced it first, and then I think yeah, Spurs yeah. followed suit. So, Dave, do you think that everyone's like obviously this comes in the, the wake of the Super League and everyone being really angry about at the Cronkays and all the other managers? Do you think it's a bit naive to just sort of appoint another owner as a a savior almost? Yeah, I, I think so. But then at the same time, like we discussed at the time, I don't know who else really comes in to buy these sort of clubs. Uh, it, it's literally at a point where it's like businessmen v businessmen and one's promising to be better than the other. That's that's sort of the only climate. Like, you know, these clubs are worth so much money, even if fans wanted to get money together and and by a majority, it's it's a far crazier amount of money than it would have been even like 10 years ago. So uh, is they're just assets that no one can really afford other than these huge, huge businessmen anyway, or consortiums of very successful business yeah. people. So, yeah, I don't really see anyone other than those sort of people owning these clubs, to be honest. Whenever I see one of these, like, um, whenever see something like this and it's two businessmen going against each other it always springs to mind that game of thrones episode title um, battle of the bastards um yeah. so anyway let's move on um huge news so has anyone got the breaking news clacks and hold on let me get it <laughs> hold on hold on breaking while news, will clacks. does that i'm just going to tell you about joel linton oh give me the joel linton report please yeah yeah just while will's doing that uh it was it was a good performance you know newcastle three goals joel linton got one of them um, it was a penalty, which he earned himself. Excellent bit of skill against Ake. Sent one of them for a hot dog. Got brought down and, you know, picked himself back up, slotted the penalty home. The Brazilian bad boy, he's on the score sheet again. What a player. bad boy. Wow, that's a nickname. What a player. So, yeah, it's, it's another good week for Joel Linton and Steve Bruce, manager of the month, Steve Bruce. So it's interesting. Um, another doing a lot of heavy lifting in that sentence. Dave, while we're there, do you want to do start of the week? You yeah, might give you're... Us a good intro. Please, yeah, it's, it's Dave's start of the week. Cheers, Mike. You're going to enjoy this one well. So when Rangers won the league, yes. Jermaine Defoe became the 87th player to have gone on to win a trophy after leaving Tottenham in the time since Tottenham last won a trophy. Which is interesting because that segues us nicely into our next topic. Hold on. Breaking news. <laughs> um, so, ladies and gentlemen, literally moments before the podcast starts, the day that we've all been waiting for, literally, as you see, it's like the, as you see outside the house now, it's like the start of the Lion King. Everyone's sort of happy in the world. Moves, Birds are flowing in the trees day. Timon and Pumba are shaking with excitement. Harry Kane has allegedly asked to leave Spurs. Round of applause. Come on. Well, golf clap. Get the golf yeah, claps well out. Come on, Harry. Um, obviously, mm. watching Jamie Vardy add a FA Cup to his legacy and clearly outshining the legacy of Harry Kane so far. Harry Kane thought, I've had enough. Um, I'm tired of playing for let's be polite and call them professional losers. Um, 
<laughs> and said he wants to move on. We we're at the we're at the point of the pod. Let's be honest, ladies and gentlemen. No one can fucking buy him. Um, but we're gonna root. We're gonna recklessly speculate about where he could go. Mike, where should Harry Kane go? Uh, either one of the Manchester clubs, but hopefully my Manchester club. Please. If he's he's so obviously he's probably available. As soon as someone says I want to leave, they're available. Um, let's just ballpark the figure at like 150 million. Do you pay it? If I if I'm Man United or City, yes, definitely. Let's start with United. Do you pay it if you're United? Oh yeah. Why? Because. Well, we need a striker that can actually score goals. I mean, Cavani's good. That's fine. But you can't rely on him every week. I don't think you can rely on Rashford to get you the amount of goals and assists that Kane can. Greenwood's not quite there yet. And imagine Greenwood learning off Kane, Cavani, etc. I think <clears throat> that puts you into title contention if you're Man United. I think that plus... I mean, we've talked about Rice. That would be my ideal window. I think Kane and Rice would be would be really good but yeah I mean play with the, we gave him player of the season if you can add that sort of player Fernandez putting stuff on a plate for him yeah man get him in City as well I mean if you add a, a goal scorer like Kane or Haaland to City I think we've talked about that before on here but go back to the, the Barney good Rene. grief I always go back to the Barney Renee tweet of um I think <laughs> During the Carabao final, this is a team with Harry Kane versus a team that needs a Harry Kane. Yeah, it's a team of only Harry Kane. <laughs> yeah. It's a team that has everything but Harry Kane or something, wasn't Excellent. it? Excellent. <laughs> Such a good tweet, that. That said, Mike, um, £150 is a lot of money, particularly during COVID times, for a guy who's slightly injury prone. If you could only buy, if you could only get, if so money-wise, you've got Harry Kane over here, you've got Declan Rice and perhaps... Uh, creative right winger maybe a Jaden Sancho for about ballpark 150 million combined what are you doing ah oh, that's tough now so you choice that isn't it I do really want Declan Rice because I think that would that would help our midfield and our defense a lot yeah but I feel like if you buy K oh god you can get Rice and Sancho yeah you probably can uh yeah, maybe I'd maybe I'd go with the second one actually, Rice and Sancho, just because that helps two parts of your team instead of. It also doesn't block the path for Greenwood. No, it helps the creative burden as well, I think, which is a problem yeah. for United. Yeah, because we can't just rely on Fernandez the whole time. It'd be interesting if Declan Rice does sign for United that, to see how Pogba plays, having finally bought him a partner that's actually worthwhile. Yeah. I think I think we'd see a much better Pogba, which we're starting to see. I will say we are starting to see in the last couple of months. At the risk of offending Mike, um, once again, if they buy Pogba a partner that isn't a half dead Matic or the second reincarnation of Gibson. Yeah, the Scottish Gibson. We might do something else, you know. Or Fred, who. Look, I don't want to sound like Donald Trump at Obama, but I need to see the passport. Because there is no way he is Brazilian. Anyway. <laughs> that's a, Send that's help. A... Send help to Old Trafford. Because we cannot <laughs> go another season with those three. Could you believe that? that was, I think that was a reference to like 2013 American politics or something, isn't it? Dave, come mm-hmm. on. Um, talk to me about Man City. I think he'd be a... I think he'd be a perfect fit for Man City, really. Um, 
obviously Aguero's departing. Great, great striker for them. I'd say a club legend, to be honest. Um, Jesus has been given plenty of opportunity. Still not really enough of a goal scorer. City's team is so, so good already. Harry Kane Can is I one make of a the... terrible joke before we move on? Sure will. Like, it's not the first time it's Jesus to the second coming. Oh, for God's sake. But <laughs> Harry... <laughs> Harry... The best Kane... part about that is Mike starting to crack as he sees me about to do it. Okay, go on. The thing is, <laughs> Harry Kane is one of the best strikers in the world. Man City need a striker, and they're one of the best teams. Imagine how good they would be with Harry Kane. Instead of Jesus needing God knows how many how many chances to, to score one, they'd have a clinical striker who's gonna he would score for fun. And he doesn't even he doesn't even need to worry about his link up play, which he's already shown he can excel at. It's the fact that this Man City team is so good at creating things that he could literally just be a finisher and I think if Man City you know, Liverpool fully fit aren't, aren't far behind Man City. Although I do believe Man City are the best team in the league. If they get Harry Kane, surely they're untouchable for a, a couple of years at least. Yeah. And they, they might win the Champions League if they don't this season. Yeah, the way I the way I think about it, I look at this and I think if if like City, United or Chelsea used to buy Harry Kane, that's like they're like a new superpower to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like you buy Harry Kane, it puts you instantly into that absolute top bracket of teams. Like you, yeah. you I mean, you look at you look at that two, you look at Tuchel's Chelsea, for example, who are linked with them, but it'll never happen. They are literally a clinical striker away from being a a real, a really good outfit, top team, real good outfit. Yeah. But it, it, it's crazy. Um, that said, we'll we'll see what happens, but certainly interesting, isn't it? Um. So, ladies and gentlemen, Mike's had to dip off because he's um he's actually off to play football rather than just talk about it. Um, so we're gonna take one more question um from the public, the public, the public. The we viewers. are the public. Quote. We are the public. We call them the public. You're, you're David's adoring public. That's what we'll call them. Oh God. Um, it's a good friend of ours, Harry. Well, say good friend, acquaintance. Professional arsehole, I think is probably the words that people would use to describe him. Um, Morgie, who has asked for playoff predictions for the, um, the EFL leagues. So, Dave, quick fire <laughs> on League Two and League One. Yeah. I don't really care. Yeah. Um, let's... I can give you League Two and League One Go as on. quick fire as you like. Go on, tell League me. Two, I back Tranmere because they have the best calibre. They've sacked a manager... Yeah, true. They sent a manager, but I reckon they'll get someone in that plays better football, and I think they're the best outfit going into it. Forest Green are bottle jobs, and they build everything out of wood and, and tell everyone to eat vegan, so forget them, to be honest. Um, Morecambe are too weak. Newport are also too weak. League One. Um, Ox- hold on, Dave, I'll give my yeah. prediction. Um, Newport, just because uh, that's Morgie's team, I believe. Oh, okay. shit. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, fair enough. Uh, I mean, I if Newport it's... do it, like, to be honest, any of those teams go up. I, I don't really have any problems with any of them, but Tranmere uh, seem the best club out of them, really. League, League One? League One, uh, I'd like to see Blackpool go up. Don't know if they will. 
Lincoln, oh, I don't want them in the championship. Same with Oxford, really. Sunderland deserve to be in the championship out of size of the club. But unfortunately, they're shot on the pitch. So I'd love to see Sunderland bottle it again. So I'll go with Blackpool. Blackpool. Now to the league that actually matters slightly more. <laughs> For this podcast anyway, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Um, we talked about these a few weeks ago, Dave. So you sort of gave mm-hmm. us an eye then. Obviously... Bournemouth won their home leg 1-0 versus Brentford this evening. Yeah. So that's kind of still in the balance there. But mm-hmm. have you changed has you changed your mind a bit? Not really, to be honest. Um, okay. Bournemouth, so basically the last time we, we spoke about it, all the teams were like one point within each other pretty much. At the end of the season, all of them played well. So they ended up finishing way above like seventh place outside the playoffs. However, Brentford did actually open up a bit of a gap and they did finish higher than everyone else. However, the thing is with Brentford is that they're just not good with these big occasions. Um, They bottled things in League One um, and they... Yeah, I think they had to draw once to, to get up from League One and they lost something ridiculous and they they didn't do well in the playoffs last year despite being I felt strong favorites Bournemouth as much as you know they've lost Eddie Howe and Tyndall didn't really work out they do have Woodgate in charge but they appointed Joe Jordan which is really uh good he's the one who thought we could do so yeah it is but the thing is you're adding a really experienced coach and they have looked very well organized since since he came in especially um, to the point where even though they finished sixth, they were sixth for what, like one of the most in form of those four by the end. Swansea, I think they've got some experience in players like Andre Ayew. However, I know he's off at the end of the season, I believe. Um, I mean, if they go up, he might stay. But they've got a lot of players who, from their Prem days, who are on long contracts, who are finally up. Don't really know if the players want to be there and they're on awful form at the end. Uh, however... Swansea played Barnsley, which means one of them is guaranteed a place in the final. Whereas if Brentford and Bournemouth weren't playing each other, uh, as much as I really would want Swansea to to go up, I think Brentford or Bournemouth would have probably done Barnsley in the the first leg, the semi-finals. Um, I'd like Barnsley to go up, but thinking logically, I actually think it would be Bournemouth. Their team, their starting eleven is other than Norwich's probably the best in the championship uh, and Watford's I guess as you expect the three teams that came down out of those four for sure Bournemouth have the best starting 11 okay so there you are Harry there's your question answered um before we go is there anything else really we could talk about I mean other than other than a quick shout out it's obviously the most Barclays moment of the weekend is that our um that goal by Allison. Dave um yeah you're a man with some ties to Liverpool crazy isn't it it's crazy I mean they they've had by that by any stretch a very strange season and a season where you say they've they've probably underperformed um but somehow they're still in with a shout of getting top four and it's it's one of those weird ones when there's moments like this you think you know it's, it's going to happen how often does a goalkeeper score a header and Wow, it was a it was a brilliant header by any stretch. Um, sort of makes you think they're they're actually going to do it. Um, but yeah, obviously for Allison himself, with with the things that happened with his father and his 
his family uh, obviously hugely emotional for him and I was I was yeah. pleased for him really because Allison's been fantastic ever since he came to Liverpool and it yeah it was nice to see a player score what let's face it if they make top four it'd be quite an iconic goal um oh yeah but yeah I, I think credit to Liverpool everyone wrote them off ages ago in terms of the title but even without their first three centre-backs, they're uh, they're showing that they've got a lot of fight in them and they still have some real quality. So, fair play. But I think, as me and Mike discussed last week, I think the points difference might be a little too much for them to really... Sorry, I forgot that they're only a point behind Chelsea. I was thinking they were three behind Leicester. Um, you never know, I guess. Uh, I mean, if there's anyone else other than Leicester or Chelsea, it will be Liverpool that make fourth the top four but uh i mean i'm inclined to say liverpool deserve it but it would also be hilarious to see them in the europa league <laughs> so i'm yeah. i'm unsure where i am on it really yeah um i mean two ways to look at it like obviously wonderful that allison scored his first liverpool goal the second way is to look that it took him 130 games to score a liverpool goal um <laughs> another start for you well allison has a better goal Game uh, ratio than Jamie Carragher. Jamie Carragher, yeah. yeah. Congratulations, Jamie funny. Carragher, who clearly enjoyed that tweet when he saw it. Um, that will probably do us for this week. Um, we will be back next week um, on the main pod, at least, probably to... I think we'll be wrapping up the whole bloody season, won't we? Yeah, we should We should be, I believe. Yeah, God, God it's gone quick, um, but not quick enough, to be honest. Um, this season has been absolutely miserable. Um it's just not been fun so let's get it over and done with it quickly and we'll move on to having a nice restful summer where there's not a lot of football going on Dave hey how about that yeah I can't think of any really this yeah, uh, other than the pre-season friendlies like no. every season can't, no. can't think of any I'm sure the players are looking forward to a nice restful two weeks break off in the summer um, there you are yeah. um, but until next time Dave if the people want to find you where can they find you uh, it's at Dave Harris underscore 44 and if you want to follow Mike to find out more about why um, Joel Linton's a Brazilian bad boy, which is a, a really suspect thing to say in the middle of this <laughs> podcast full of suspect things, um, you can follow him at Mikey Preston. You can follow me at Wilhunt17. Please don't please instead follow us at In and Around Pod on all the socials, including Mumsnet. Um, you can also find more in-depth thoughts over at inandaroundmedia.com. And Mike is here every Friday doing a betting podcast with Henry Hodgson. Although... Whether or not they're coming back for the next Friday just to talk Premier League, I don't know. It's a question. But you will find out because it will be on this feed. <laughs> um, but yeah, until next time, um, have a good one and um, Chelsea be robbed.